Hey guys, this is Dustin Langley. I'm the senior pastor at Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington. And this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week. Hope you have a blessed day. I'm Pastor Dustin. Uh, it's good to just be back. I was on a little staycation. Not really a staycation. Spiritual training. Warfare. That's what I do when I take a break is I enter into and press into God. And I believe he has opened up the doors for this new series called Walking in Freedom. And it's going to be a, a four-week uh, process. It'll be broken up by our Baptism Sunday because I'm going to preach specifically on baptism on that day. But today I want to talk to you about repentance and forgiveness. Walking in freedom is the sanctification process that we're doing right now as Christians every single day of our life. And we have to find freedom if we want to be whole, healthy. Now, do we ever find freedom 100% all the way for the rest of our life just because we prayed one time and that's good and it's done? No, because we get attacked all the time. Christians get attacked by the enemy. Do you believe we have an adversary? Okay, it's okay to acknowledge the adversary because if you don't at least identify or acknowledge the fact that we do have an adversary, you don't know who you're fighting. That's how any battle works. That's how every war works. That's how every encounter works. The good guy has to identify the bad guy in order to take him out, right? And we have been given the tools and the power and the authority from God to tear down the weapons and the strongholds and the attacks of the enemy on our life. But some of us, we live a life that is more in defense mode. Or we just live open with no protection, front, back, even of your mind, and when we live life that way, we're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And we must know the weapons that we have at our disposal as Christian men and women so that we can defeat the attacks of the enemy, that we can overcome the attacks of the enemy, and we can find and walk in the freedom that God has given us as Christians on this earth. We have to, amen. I don't want to live in bondage. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to have strongholds that run and dictate my life. I remember when I first became a Christian, when I got saved, like actually saved. Anybody else? When I got actually, like for real, real saved. When I really got saved, I remember going to church and I remember sitting, I was in the front row like every good Christian should be. I see you back there. No, that's okay. I'm a back row sitter. I actually would prefer to sit in the back. It's my personality. But we all know that if you do sit in the front, you get like at least one or two spots before to get into heaven before everybody else. Also, if you take if you take notes, if you take notes, that's another couple spots you get in line on your way into heaven before everybody else. But I mean, we all know up front, you just get under the spout. This is where all the glory comes out, and you're gonna be good. So when you choose your seating next Sunday, choose wisely. That's all I'm saying. But I remember sitting in church. I just got saved. It was real. 
I gave my life to Christ, I felt like it was a full surrender because I was finally ready to let go of every stronghold that had me bound. And I remember sitting in church and looking at the platform of all the worship people and the pastor and thinking to myself, how am I ever going to be as good as those people? Some of you might think that. You might even ask yourself that question. And it's not a matter of being good. It's a matter of knowing who is good. And our God is good. He is so good that he is choosing to forgive each and every one of our sins, the ones that we've already done, and he's already blotted out and wiped out the ones that I will do. And when we can learn and understand and walk in that forgiveness, there is freedom in knowing that you've been forgiven. That your past is no longer what dictates your future. There is freedom in knowing that you're a child of God because your righteousness is not based upon your own righteousness. It's the imputed righteousness from God on your day-to-day -day life to where you have been justified, sanctified, and one day glorified because of the death that our Savior paid on the cross and the price that he paid. And so freedom comes from the forgiveness and the grace of God on our life. And we too are called to forgive just as our God has forgiven us. These next four weeks are going to be a message on repentance, rebuking, replacing, and refilling with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not a concept that's brand new. I've been transformed and changed by this idea and thought and way of living by Pastor Mike Riches and Pastor Tom Jonas. They really do some awesome teaching on this, but I'm just going to give it to you briefly because these are biblical concepts that aren't new. Can I get an amen? Repentance is not anything new. Rebuking the enemy is not anything new. Replacing the old with the new promises of God on my life that are more true than the lies of the enemy, that's not new. That's biblical. And it's a matter of living it out now every single day because the enemy is coming at us hard, church. And he's trying to attack your mind and he's trying to establish a stronghold, a fortress inside of us so that he can, so that he can have us bound and not being productive for the kingdom of God. And the longer we live in the sin that we struggle with, the further we go away from the destiny and the purpose that God has for our life. We never reach the potential that God has for us when we are bound by a strong. What is a stronghold, right? It's a, it's a fortress. It's a fortification that is built. It's defensive. It's militant in a sense because it is meant to protect whatever is inside of it. And that's what the enemy does. He plants lies inside of you. He tells you you're not good enough. He injects fear into your life through trauma and circumstance and different injustices that might happen to you. And then he builds a stronghold around it because he doesn't want it to be just a one-time assault. He wants to go in and make a fort so that it just can sit there and marinate in you. Right? Because some of us wonder why, well, why is that person so affected by X, Y, or Z? Why is that person so bound? Why is he so angry all the time? It's because the enemy has built a fortress, a stronghold inside of us that it, we're currently operating in or with. And so we as Christians, as men and women of God, we must tear down those strongholds. But why do we sin? The Apostle Paul, man, one of the greatest 
men in the Bible. He wrote a third, well, almost two-thirds of the New Testament, really. And he writes this about strongholds and sin that even he himself suffers from. Because just, I, just because I'm a pastor does not make me, like, I, I'm not exempt from sinning. And the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 7, 18 through 25, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, at least not on his own. For I do not do the good I want, but I, the evil I do not want uh, is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. So Paul is addressing the sin. He knows he's a sinner. But he also knows that he's saved by grace. Just like David writes in almost all of his psalms, there's only like three of them that don't end with an up. Because David, you know, you know woe is me. You know, I've been afflicted, I've been wounded, I've been cast down. But David always turns it around and says, but God, my strong fortress, my tower, my rock. Because even though we do suffer, we have a strong foundation. We have a God who will help us in our time of need. We do have a God who loves us enough to give us the tools and weapons to tear down these strongholds that run in our current and our life. And the scripture goes on to continue to say, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So he's giving these two different sides. We operate in sinful desires because they're real. And we're human. And sin exists, but we must acknowledge and identify the stronghold so that we can tear it down because we have the power to do that. So what is a stronghold? What are these sins that plague us? Well, when you put it into just layman's terms, the, the strongholds are thoughts and beliefs, philosophies, attitudes, and values that oppose God's truth. That's what a stronghold is, and they look like fear, right? They look like pride. That's another stronghold. They look like rebellion. Some of us, we're just, we're just tired of people saying, I'll pray for you. We're just tired of people inviting us to church. Quit inviting me. I don't want to go to church. Some of us are actively running from God because of whatever happened in our life, and that is rebellion. Some of us control. Control might be a stronghold. Right? Man, you look really overwhelmed. Can I help you? No, I got this. I can do this. I'm going to make it happen. I don't need help. It's good. Thanks for asking. Unforgiveness is another stronghold. Even passivity, church. Some of us don't even like to talk about that sin because men, if you're married, you are the head of your house. That's not in a domineering way. If you're domineering and all that, trust me, your marriage isn't going to work. 
but you, as men, you must lead your family, which means saying what is right, calling stuff out, and then you also must be teachable as well. So when your wife calls you out, you better listen. I always say the Holy Spirit sure does sound a lot like my wife. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's powerful. Which means we can tear down these strongholds that exist in our life, these sinful things that have a hold on our life. We can cast them down. And the first step in doing that and tearing down these strongholds is repentance. Right? Repentance involves humility, church. Repentance means I've identified the issue or somebody has helped you identify the issue. Nobody likes that part. Identifying the stronghold, the sin, the emotions, the negative emotions that are attached to the sin. Identifying these things and truly repenting from them. And what does that even mean? Because repentance, what we have to understand is a change in mind first. But then it's something that I'm turning from and then turning to, church. Right? Repentance isn't just a, hey, I'm sorry, God. All right, what's for lunch? Repentance is like, oh, my gosh, man, I am an angry human being. And I am angry, God, and I am sorry for the way that I've lived and conducted and the way that I've acted. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to look to you because, Lord, you're my joy, and you're my peace, and you're going to provide that for me. Amen? That's what repentance looks like. It's turning from it, not just a cool little thought that says, Lord, help me, and I'm sorry. It's acknowledging and turning from, but turning to something, or how about someone like God who can forgive? and replace, and renew, and restore. That is who our God is, and that is what we must, we must turn from our sin and turn to God. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, many of you know this verse, but it's very powerful because God says here in this scripture, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn, that's repentance, church, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Because there's healing on the other side of repentance, church. God can do a mighty work if we would just humble ourselves and say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry that I did that, I choose to not do that anymore, and look to you, God, and God will come in and start the healing process. Walking in freedom starts with repentance. And repentance transforms our life. Repentance transforms our values even because it says, man, I'm not going to operate this way anymore. I'm going to operate according to your word. Repentance transforms our life and our values, our attitude, and our actions, church. 
right? There has to be a change. If there's no change, did, any, did anything actually happen in our soul and in our spirit? There must be a change, but the change comes when the forgiveness starts because repentance honestly doesn't happen without a little bit of forgiveness. Sometimes we have to grant forgiveness to others, but also many times we must ask for forgiveness as well. So forgiveness is twofold. We can't forget that. We must grant forgiveness to others for what they have done to us, but we then also must ask for forgiveness from God from the sinful reactions that we've had to the sin that has happened to us. Repentance involves granting forgiveness and asking forgiveness. We see in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Because some of us were like, I don't want to forgive them. No, I'm going to let them suffer a little bit longer. Oh, they don't get my forgiveness yet. They haven't earned it. No, just me. That's okay. You guys are perfect. I love you. That's why I love you. That's why I stand up here. You don't judge me. <laughs> but forgiveness, there's a lot of humility in forgiveness and being able to grant forgiveness. And forgiveness has no strings attached. Forgiveness doesn't have a condition on the other side of it. Condition isn't wrapped up in an ultimatum. Forgiveness ultimately will free us from the bondage of sin that comes on the other side of unforgiveness, of harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. Because when we do not forgive others as we have been forgiven by God, first of all, we're operating unbiblically, but we're also continuing and choosing to hold on to the sinful emotions that come with unforgiveness. And I think some of you know what I'm talking about because there are some people here, you've had some bad stuff happen to you by other people. You've had some injustices in your life. You've had some trauma that you've experienced and that you've had to go through as a result of somebody else's wrongdoing. And so... When I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not saying that what happened to you is okay. Do we get that? Right? It's not approving and it's not saying that what happened is okay. It's, it's, it's not that at all. Forgiveness, what it ultimately does is it's releasing and absolving that other, per, that other person of having to pay the debt associated with it. Does that make sense, church? Because we have to release them and let them go and no longer hold something over their head that they're not going to be able to atone for because somebody else can't atone for their own sins and your sins. The only thing that atones for our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so by our Savior dying on the cross, not only did he pay for your sins, he also paid for the sins of the offender who hurt you. And so we must release and absolve them 
of the debt that, they, that you want them to pay and that I want them to pay. But I'm no better than that because I too have sin. I know maybe my sin hasn't impacted somebody the way that theirs has me, but I got the rest of my life to live. I'm sure I'm going to do something wrong. But we must grant forgiveness and then ask forgiveness by doing that. We allow God to do his work inside of us because we're holding on to grudges and we're holding on to resentment and anger and bitterness. And that, those are emotions that the enemy loves to build a stronghold around. Because I can get offended if somebody does something to me. You have to be quick to forgive or else you're going to be a bitter person. All I know is I'm going to wake up in the morning and say, hey, God, I'm going to just now forgive those who are going to offend me today. Please allow me to not be easily offended. I will not be a victim. I will be a victor. I will be hard-skinned, and I will be, I'm going to live in victory. I'm going to move forward with my life. I'm not going to allow the attacks of the enemy to derail where I'm going today. I will not let the enemy steal my joy. I will not allow that person who takes 10 minutes to order their coffee every single day to steal my joy. Ain't happening, devil. But if we are quick to forgive and choose to forgive, the moment the offense comes, it does not allow the enemy to build a stronghold around the offense and the sin in my life. Because what a stronghold looks like is a sinful action, desire, whatever, that happens constantly in my life every day. Right? Anger can come in. I can get angry at that person for cutting me off. But, oh, Lord, forgive them. They're probably late for a meeting. And then move on with my day. But if I'm constantly angry, I'm angry because the kids did that. I'm angry because you said that. I'm angry because you cooked that wrong. I'm angry because that person took my seat on Sunday morning at the church. I'm just mad. You're just mad because you have a spirit of anger that has attached itself to you and you have not dealt with that stronghold and forgiven something else that's at the root cause of it all. And it could be because there's an offense that happened to you that you've never forgiven and you're constantly just angry every day because you've been marinating in the anger and the bitterness and resentment for so long that it affects your day-to-day actions. And so we have to forgive in order to be set free. Just as we have been forgiven by Christ, we too must forgive others. And this is how forgiveness works. I guarantee you the emotions aren't going to be there right away. Oh, I'm still probably going to be a little little bitter. (laughs) Might be a little upset, but I'm not going to let it take root. But this is how forgiveness works. We have to first will it into motion. I must just do it. God, I don't want to forgive this person right now, but I'm going to. And then my actions are going to follow. I'm going to be a halfway decent person to that individual moving forward. Everybody else is like, "Mm, mm, I see your face. Come on now. We first have to will it into motion. You have to just do it, and then your actions must follow. And I tell you this, that if you can do that part, the emotions will come later. That is how forgiveness works out in our life. We grant forgiveness to others for what they have done, but then we also have to ask for forgiveness for how it's played out in my life. 
And I, wanna sh I would just want to do a quick example of how that looks because, you know what, my wife, she stole my burrito the other night. I'm pretty angry. Yeah, I ate that thing up, and this is a fake story, but I need to give you an example. And it's about food because I like food. And so, Lord, I just, I grant forgiveness, and I choose to forgive my wife for stealing. It was stealing. That's a, that's a sin. For stealing my food. And I forgive her for making me feel the way that I did. And some of you already red flag because you're like, nobody can make you feel anything. Well, guess what? I got angry, and she made me feel angry. But this is the process of repentance and forgiveness is acknowledging how it made you feel. But then also, I got my own work to do, all right? I forgive her for making me feel that way. I forgive her for what she did. And I forgive her for even the things that she said as a result of that because she's like, what's, my, what's yours is mine. And I'm like, no. And I got even more angry. And so, Lord, I ask you now. Here's the ask, right? Repentance is granting. Forgiveness is granting forgiveness but also asking for forgiveness. Lord, I ask for you to forgive me and the anger that was inside of me and the way that it made me feel and how I treated my wife as a result of that anger. Forgive me for not being a good husband in that moment, for not speaking words of life, for tearing her down because I was mad. So Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for the way that I responded to that offense that happened to me. What she did wasn't right, but how I responded or even thought and the things that I said. So forgive me for the way that I've acted. And then there's another process that goes with that that I'll be teaching you the next three weeks on rebuking that spirit of anger, of replacing it with the promises of God and refilling with the Holy Spirit. And this is an important part of walking in freedom because if we can't repent and if we can't forgive others, then we're going to live in this perpetual state of being offended and offending others just because we ourselves can't humble ourselves to the point of allowing the same and granting the same forgiveness that God gave us. And who are we to do that or to withhold that from somebody else? It's our responsibility, and we're supposed to be obedient to the word. I must follow this. And I'm telling you right now, I am choosing today and for the rest of my life to not let the enemy dictate how I'm going to run my life. I'm not going to live a life of anger. Can I get an amen? Who else in this room? I'm not going to live a life of control and rebellion. I'm not going to live a life of constant fear because some of you stay up every night and you're just worried about what your kids are doing or what they did the other week and how it makes you feel. And you're worried about what your boss is going to say to you tomorrow. And you're worried about stop being fearful of the things of this world and start living confidently in who God has called you to be. And then ask for forgiveness for those things. Because some of us, like, we don't, like I said, the sin of passivity earlier. Some of you are like, what is that? Some of us need to repent of our passivity because some of you, you allow people to walk all over you simply because you think you're being nice. Right? Oh, I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to do that. But sin is sin. And if you call somebody's junk out, call it out. If you've been mistreated, don't allow them to keep operating in that offense. Call it out. Do it kindly, right? The Bible says we can speak the truth in love. But we must even ask forgiveness for that. Lord, I forgive that person for what they said to me, 
and how they treated me and how they took advantage of me. But Lord, also forgive me for operating in a spirit of passivity that allowed that person to do that to me because I wasn't strong enough to be able to stand up to them. I was too worried and fearful of how it would how it would all play out of how they would respond. I was more worried about their emotions than mine. Forgive me of that. And I rebuked that spirit of passivity and cast it into the pit of hell, amen? And replace that spirit of passivity with a spirit of strength, of confidence. And I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me now to enable me to do just that. Some of us here today need to break free of the strongholds that are on our life, but it first starts with repentance. And I would love to lead each and every one of you today in a, repair, in a prayer of repentance. Is that all right? And I'm going to work through these four hours, but we're going to do it all together. Would you stand with me now? And anytime I say he, and you, it is a she, you say she. If I say his, you might need to say her. And also you'll have to fill in the blank with the name if you'd like. But I believe some of you are going to experience freedom today because some of you have been harboring unforgiveness for so long that it's saturated and creeped into every other part of your life, into your marriage, into your workplace, even into your socializing with other people. And so we need to pray over these things because I, I know what this has done for me. I know the freedom that I have because of the acknowledgement of my own sin and walking in the freedom that's on the other side. And I want you to experience that freedom here today. So would you repeat after me, church? Are you ready? I don't believe you. That wasn't loud enough. Sorry. I've seen you at the Seahawks games. You're louder. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge to you today the sin done against me by, say their name, what he did to me was wrong. I choose today to cancel the debt that I feel is owed to me. I release, say their name, from my judgment and place him in your hands. I forgive, say their name. I bless him. I choose not to make him pay. I choose not to seek his approval or rescue him from his own problems. Please increasingly release the power of your Holy Spirit to help me transcend this offense and move on in my life in joy and in obedience to you. I repent of my own anger and bitterness that I held towards whoever it is and I receive your forgiveness. I rebuke any evil spirit that would try to take ground in my life and that would energize anger, bitterness, or resentment. I refuse to give them any place in my heart. I command the power of the enemy's influence to stop now and be gone from me in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to come and heal me, restore and revive me. 
and flood my soul with your life and peace. I choose to walk in your freedom and grace for the days ahead. Amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a shout of praise, church? God is good. And I pray you will walk in that freedom. And remember, this is an ongoing process, but I truly believe that stronghold that was there has been broken. It doesn't mean that you still won't be attacked by the enemy, but now you know that when the enemy comes, you can forgive that person who committed the offense. You can forgive yourself. Go ahead and rebuke that spirit, get it out, and begin to fill it, that void in your heart with the promises and truths of God. We'll continue this teaching next week. I look forward to talking to you about the second part of the process of rebuking and walking in freedom. Thank you all for being here today. We love you. Um, our prayer team is coming forward right now. We're going to be standing up front ready to pray with you for whatever you need prayer for. Maybe you want to talk about some of that stuff we just prayed about. But I truly believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works inside of us. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.